from Los Angeles, California. This is the Writer's Strike Chronicles, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Sunday, January 27th, 2008, day 85 of the Writer's Strike. In today's episode, Bill and I head out to Paramount Studios on Martin Luther King Day to ask some writers on the line about their feelings regarding the terms of the tentative agreement between the DGA and the AMPTP. We'll begin with writer Eric Weinberg. totally going to wing this. I'm at the picket lines with... Eric Weinberg. Eric, I have no idea who you are. I'm sorry. What That's have you written right. for? Uh, most recently for Scrubs and for Californication. Uh, oh, cool. Right on. Sure. So, I, I just showed up here. I know why we're here, but can you establish a shot? Why are we here? Uh, why are we here picketing in general or why are we here today? Why we're here today, and then we can get into the specifics. The reason why we're here today is because we're trying to put a good show for us at certain places. Um, we're isolating like NBC yesterday, Paramount today. Yeah. This is an important week for us. It's an important few weeks for us because we're trying to sort of build on the momentum of the DGA deal uh-huh. and see if we can get something going and get the negotiations going. They've informally sort of restarted, but we want to make sure to push this thing forward and try to see if we make something happen, maybe by the time of the Oscars. Can you comment on the terms of the DGA deal and how, what your feelings are about it? I'm not uh, as well versed. Oh, uh, we're going to get interrupted here by an enormous announcement by Megaphone. Um, the, the circle goes from Gower to Van Ness and back, so we're kind of doing a C. All right, uh, so if we could just keep moving, otherwise we're going to get in trouble with the cops. Alright, that was it. That was just an announcement. All right. In case, in case you're confused, there's a, now there's confusion about whether we're doing a C or a U. <laughs> really? Seriously? Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not serious, actually. I think a C and a U are pretty much the same shape when it comes to picketing. Um, but what's happening is, in terms of the deals, in terms of the terms of the DGA deal, to sort of just make things fairly succinct, they don't operate on all the same criteria that we do. I don't think that their goals necessarily coincide with what our goals are. I don't think that all their wishes correlate with what we look for. That being said, I think what they've signed with the AMPTP is somewhat in the territory that we would like to be in, so it is helpful. And uh, all people have to realize is, and the reason why you'll see SAG if this thing doesn't get solved, you'll see them on strike in June, is that writers, songwriters, novel writers, all writers work on residuals, uh, directors work on sort of different pay scales, and there's a million other issues that sort of all emanate out of the same big pot, but again, we sort of have different ways of getting paid, and so therefore different ways of sort of, uh, of, of, sort of signing deals that may be or may not be acceptable to us. SAG and WGA, they're kind of joined at the hip, kind of. Right. Um, and in a way, I see them both as artists. Is And I see directors as artists, but sure. their needs are different. Why is that? I think part of what it is is that a large number of people in the Directors Guild are what they call below the line, meaning that they're not directors who are actually in line to receive residuals anyway. Okay. They're sort of more fee-based. So their vested interest in seeing residuals from new media is not that great, if at all. In other words, they may be, they may stand to gain nothing from residuals payments, whereas writers and actors stand to gain a tremendous amount financially from those portions of profits. And again, just to reemphasize that, we're not asking for upfront costs that would cripple studios. We're actually asking for little slices, little slivers of their profits. That's how you make residuals money, is that you actually make that money when that show or when that movie, when that piece of material becomes profitable. And if it tanks, then 
if it tanks, then we all just move on. Okay. How often have you been on the picket line? I've been doing this uh, almost without fail every day since we went on strike at the end of October. I guess November 1st is probably day one. And what happens is, which is kind of nice, is people you know tend to sort of move around a little bit. I spent a couple of months at CBS Television City, which is over at Fairfax and Beverly, if you know L.A. at all. And uh, right now we're at Paramount. And I think one thing I've actually talked about with the strike captains is, is that whenever you start to feel stale and bored, yeah. go to a new site. You'll see a bunch of friends you haven't seen in a while. You'll see a bunch of new faces, a bunch of new scenery. And you'll kind of reinvigorate yourself a little bit. But, you know, I think you've got to, if, you, if you're in, you're in. And you can't just sort of be in, you know, a tiny bit. You've got to kind of say, you know what, this is what we're doing until we get a fair deal. Let me take your emotional pulse. How are your feelings today as we what, roll into like the close to the 80th day of the strike? Where is your resolve and how you feel about it? Firstly, I don't mind if you take my actual pulse. Oh. Um, but, um, <laughs> it's okay. I'm holding chewed up gum in my hand. Um, um, you know, emotionally, it's a little combination at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm more in a way optimistic. And when I say more optimistic, I mean I'm not fully pessimistic than I have been in a while. What I mean by that is this. I think that what's nice is that I think that there's a ton of unity here. I think that you know, you've got writers that are, you know, there are millionaire writers. There are plenty of writers that are doing far less well. In other words, I think there's this kind of weird, um, there's this sort of weird impression that there's a bunch of rich people walking around being greedy. I find it the opposite. I think that most of these people here are just happy to have work when they have work. And uh, they're not making a fortune. The average uh, median number, whatever the real average number is for the WGA for a working writer is $94,000. That's not horrible, but those aren't millionaires. And those are, those are working writers. And so I think that there's a lot of unity all across the pay scale. This is a very... It's kind of a, a unique union. Yeah. It's a union of people with very diverse net worths and salaries. That being said, I think there's a lot of unity. I think it's kind of great that these people are out here, 80th day here, and showing that resolve. And I'm one of those people. But as I said, it's it's a little bit of a... Uh, it's, it's sort of when you see your friends and you see your co-workers doing that, it gives you more of an, uh, of an inclination to do the same thing. What I was saying about the pessimism and the optimism is simply that I feel like this thing could easily go until August. But hang on a second. I'm going to back off of that in a second. What I mean is this. There's a window right now where something can hopefully get solved by between now and the Oscars. A bunch of things are happening all at once. Uh-huh. We could try to save the Oscars. We could try to save pilot season in television. And you could try to get it to where you could actually have movie production start. Because if you actually get to the end of February, you really can't start production on a movie in March knowing that actors may walk in June. Yeah. So there's this month now that, that there's a window ahead of us. And I think if that window goes, there's no real pressing need to solve this thing, at least from a TV TV writer's perspective until the next fall season starts, which would be about August. You would need to get writers in by August to get something for actors to act in September, to get something to put on the air in October, and then you'd have a fall season. So that's, to me, the timing of this whole thing. Wow. Okay. Um, can you take me back to the to the picket line? So you've, you've mixed it up a bit. You've gone to different studios. How has um, Walking the Line, has it influenced your creative process? And if so, how? No, it's really influenced my sugar intake. Um, <laughs> It's, right? Yeah, it's just all those churros. There's 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 a lot of glazed donuts. There's a tremendous number of energy drinks. There's a lot of stale coffee and tepid water. It's fantastic out here. But um, no, I mean creatively, it hasn't done. You know what it ends up doing, unfortunately, is it kind of sets your energy in another direction. And so in terms of creative output, no, it's not It's not helping. But as I said, what I like is is that it kind of reminds you that you're all in this together. And I think that as much as that's a cliche, it is true. You see your friends, you see people that you haven't seen in a few years, you, see, you meet new people that you haven't really known up until now. 
but you kind of get this, um, I think the guild has gotten stronger um, markedly since this strike began. I think the guild is stronger and tighter than it ever was before. Two more questions. Sure. Do you have any parting shots before we wrap this up? Like I said, I think that there was this impression, I hope it doesn't still exist, that this is a bunch of well-off people being greedy. I think it's exactly the opposite. What I think it is is it's people who know, like myself, there's no way I or any of us here will ever make back the money that we're giving up by striking and not working right now. Yeah. We don't know, I mean, whatever deal is eventually cut, there's no way any of us will ever make back yeah. what we gave up. Yeah. So this is all because we think the principle is right. So I think this is actually a bunch of selfless people. If you want to actually look at it that way, I think it's a bunch of selfless people walking the lines. That's really the only thing I want to clarify. Okay, and my final question is, what do you think is a more powerful invention, the internet or the printing press? It's an interesting question. Al Gore would say the internet. Uh, Oppenheimer would say the printing press. How do you know that? I don't know. Um, I, uh, I think without the printing press, there is no internet. So let's start with the printing press. Well, a press. legacy notwithstanding. Right. I think that this is... Uh, you're making a good point in that there's no easy answer to that. I think that this is a... Uh, I think that we're on the cusp of... I mean, some little... I'll give you a little anecdotal thing. The new Mac Air book just came out, right? MacBook Air. Sorry, I should say MacBook Air. Yeah. Okay, it does not have a disk drive in it. Because Steve Jobs, probably rightly so, feels you don't need a disk for anything anymore. And I know I still use them, but maybe in about a year, who knows? Uh, everything is downloadable. Everything is able to be grabbed out of the air. And so, uh, you know, hard media, whether it be VHS tapes, cassettes, discs, anything that we've been using in the past, vinyl, all those things going way back, that's really yesterday's news. Tablets. Sure, tablets cave drawings, you know, eventually it's all gone. What you're left with is you're left with the internet, and you're left with digital media, and that's what this is all about. But what happens if, like, there's a major world catastrophe and we have no more we electricity? Uh, we have no more electricity? Uh, again, we're getting into, this is, you, by the way, ought to be writing a feature, because you're really into a premise here that's going to, I would go ahead right now, and on your own sit down and write that out. Uh, all good questions, but I don't have the answer to the major catastrophe. I, I am not that technologically savvy to know what happens when we actually have that big crisis. Hey, it didn't happen in, uh, in the year 2000, right? We never yeah, had the, right, we never right, had the right, Y2K right. disaster. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you so much for your time. This Absolutely. has been very fun. Thanks. Nice talking to you. was Eric Weinberg at the picket line in front of Paramount Studios. Next up is writer David Wyatt. Tell me your name, sir. Uh, David Wyatt. David, D-A-V-I-D, Wyatt, W-Y-A-T-T. No mistaking it now. And are you in the Writers Guild? Yes, I am. I'm a member of the Writers Guild. Been a member since 1992. What got you in the Guild? Uh, I started working on a TV show called Martin. Oh, we were just talking to John Bowman the other day. Oh, he was my first boss. Oh, was he? Yes. Oh, okay. My first boss was um, John Bowman, and my last boss was Patrick Carone. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, so you said that was in the early... That was ni- 90, early 90s. What's some of the stuff you worked on since then? I worked on um, Wayne's Brothers, Living Single. I did some fresh, some freelance for Fresh Prince. I worked on Cosby's last show, on Whoopi Goldberg's last show. Uh, the show that was just called Cosby? The one that was just called Cosby. Right. And the, the Whoopi show called Whoopi. And uh, this show called Classic 3000 that features Andre 3000. And uh, 
some other stuff. Too. Okay. Yeah. What were you working on when the strike hit? Well, I wasn't working on it. I was actually pitching pilots when the strike hit. Okay. So I guess I was working on something, but there you go. pitching. And are you now? I I, I saw you. Uh, you were registering people. Are you a strike captain? Well, I'm a strike captain and a coordinator. Oh, okay. The, the Paramount coordinator. Yeah, also like the one who actually came up with the whole idea of doing King Day here. Yeah, at, yeah, at yeah. Now, say, yeah. Yesterday was Martin Luther King Day. Say a little bit more about that. Well, we decided that you know because Martin Luther King, he wasn't just a big champion of civil rights, but also workers' rights. Because in some cases, he saw them one and the same. So I thought it would be a good idea if we can actually honor honor um, King with having a, like a workers' right day here mm-hmm. in Paramount. So it's everyone here, the original plan was to have everyone come down, all the speakers come down and just march, continuously march around the studio. And we, we did that for a while and, and now we broke it down to walk, walking, marching halfway around the studio. Right. Just one continuous march instead of the regular picket back and forth. Tell me a bit about um, where you grew up and uh, what line of work your parents were in. Uh, oh, actually, I grew up in, in Compton. Okay. Yeah. You're in Compton, and um, my father was um, a custodian. No, he was full time. He was a mail carrier for the U.S. Post Office for like over 40 years, mm-hmm. and he worked also part time for the uh, LA Unified School District as a, a custodian also. And um, so he he had like he was in two unions at the same time <laughs> at the same time. There you go. And my mother was a homemaker the entire time to take care of the six kids mm-hmm. that they had. So you you personally have lived through other strikes. Yes, I was talking to my father, uh, my father, my father the other day about. Apparently, the post office went on strike. I was kind of young then, but the post office went on strike in 1971, which apparently was the largest public employee strike in the in the country mm-hmm. or ever in the country. Where like 210,000 members of the U.S. post office went on an illegal strike, which right. lasted for only about two weeks because um, apparently Nixon discovered that the National Guard didn't know how to deliver the mail right. and that put it into it pretty fast now sometimes I talk to people who you know grew up in the walk of life you did and then they go into show business and sometimes their parents get it and sometimes they don't um, I would imagine the strike has given you and your parents more to talk about certainly yeah it's kind of more to uh, when I first started writing no one really understood what that was or how that worked or anything mm-hmm. And but actually since then since then my father has retired and he started doing extra work oh really and my, and my mother has been doing extra work and my two of my sisters do it so they're actually all in SAG now oh, SAG now. oh okay. so I mean, so, so, are they, so are they going to come out and strike too yeah they've actually been out uh, well not my parents they, they haven't been picking them my sisters have come out to, to the line and stuff also oh that's neat that's <laughs> so we're now uh, I guess an entertainment union family yes yeah. yes there you go this has been going for a while how do you think it's going I mean are you heartened by the DGA meeting at all or you, or not? I think it's a good sign. I think that because with the DGA coming to an agreement, it shows that I guess the studios want to negotiate something now. And today, I think the board or, or negotiating board is actually meeting, talking to the CEOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really good because before there weren't really any real negotiations going on when it was basically the head of the AMPTP sitting in a room with 40 other people from the studio sitting behind him and then our, our people and them just saying no to everything we were saying. But now it's kind of like real negotiations going on because we were told from the beginning that real stuff really doesn't happen until we actually start talking to the studio heads. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be going on now. So hopefully we can take what the DGA has done and 
I should come up with a good girl. Yeah. Okay, one other question for you. Uh, what do you think, legacy notwithstanding, what do you think is a more um, influential invention, the internet or the printing press? Oh, I would have to say, <laughs> I would have to say the uh, the printing the printing press as it, as it stands as it stands now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because actually it it basically made it available where, where most people could become literate. There was before there was a lot of people didn't have to learn how to read because there was nothing to read. There was right. the, the only way you communicate was was verbal, mm-hmm. verbal, and the very few people who could read. Yeah, who could read were reading stuff that was handwritten, and you can only you cannot mass produce that. Now I think it's 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 made the world the internet has made the world smaller, and it's bringing more information to people. But I think it's 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 may have, it's may have sped up the way things were before. Like television did the same thing, and and movies did the same the same thing, where it brought more information out to people. And the difference with the internet is just that you can kind of control the information you 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 want. Right. Yeah. While while the printing press basically gave people information that they just didn't have at all. Right. 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 Makes sense. Before we close, any uh, anything you'd like to say to people who are observing this, who you know may have any misconceptions about it? Yeah. I well, I think at the beginning the the. I know the studios were trying to paint it as though it was a lot of wealthy people going on strike trying to get more money. But it really was, it really is not that, it's the average right, it doesn't really make about 200000 like the students, but it's really about $62,000. And, but it's, it's really about just trying to get a fair, like a fair deal. Because the way, a lot of people don't realize is since we're trying to get, um, get um, residuals on the internet, we know that technology is changing. Like we just mentioned about the internet stuff, technology is changing. So things, things that we were traditionally watched on television, that is is moving to the internet. And if you look at like the deal with Netflix lately and Apple, where you basically get your rentals and stuff directly from the internet, that's the way technology is moving. And right now, writers get. 30 to 40 percent of their income from residuals, which is basically from television. As that shifts to the inter- internet and stuff is streaming from the internet into your television, that's 30 to 40 percent of our income that will be lost. So we're not actually trying to get more money. We're actually trying to maintain what we're actually getting right now. So we know that the revenue source we were getting before is going to go away. Mm-hmm. And this is the same. It's the same concept. It's for the reuse of our of our product. You mentioned uh, Martin, and then I mentioned John Bowman. You know, he's involved with the negotiation. Yes. Have you kept in touch with him? Have you spoken with him? Yeah, actually, yeah, actually um, John Bowman was out here on the on the line um, yep. a couple of days ago. Actually, um, it was a, it was the day that the directors announced their their deal, mm-hmm. and I talked to him about twenty minutes about the uh, the strike, mm-hmm. and uh, he said he just said hopefully that. Um, that he was hoping it would be a good deal and that he didn't know if it would actually bring an end to it or if it may go like a few more weeks or didn't really know. It's kind of like hard to, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's, but he's been very, I guess, clear on what we're trying to, I guess, trying to do. And he, uh, you know, he's, he's been around a while, so he's seen previous deals and realized that 
just because the DGS come up with a deal, those deals in the past never really actually benefit us. It was actually they benefit the um, the DGA more. And because I, I guess in this town, since they've always used pattern bargaining, where the first guild would actually come up with a, a, a solution, and then a, the rest of them will follow suit. And traditionally, the studios have used the DGA to to be the first studio. But in pattern bargaining, the, it's usually a good deal for the one who sets the pattern, and not the ones who come later. And this year, that's why we're in line with SAG. It was we kind of told ourselves. Since SAG and our interests are the, are the same, or close to the same, that we're going to align ourselves with SAG because we, we cannot rely on the pattern bargaining because we haven't been able to before. All right, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, good luck. No, thank you very much. That was David Wyatt at the picket line in front of Paramount Studios. Coming up in our final interview is writer-editor David Kibo. Okay, so tell me your name. My name is Dave Kibo. Dave Kibo. And you are a writer and... An editor. Okay, so how did you get into the Guild? It sounded like from what you were saying off mic that it was fairly recent. No, I've been in the Guild for 10 years at least. I wrote with a partner and we had written a comedy and it got picked up by Beacon and... Mm-hmm. Got into the guild that way. Okay. Can you say what it was? It never got made. Oh, it never got made. Okay. And what are some other was, things you've worked on since then? It was a then? turnaround for quite some time uh, in development. Um, a bunch of projects that you've never heard of. Okay. Because it never got made. Okay. Nothing produced. Have you been out here every day since we've uh, since we started? No. You no. know, I've been out here... I've been to Sony. I've been to Warner Brothers. I've been to Fox. Fox is my... This is my, the studio, and, uh, okay. and Paramount. This is the first time I've been out here at Paramount. Okay. And um, you're also an editor. Have you been able to work? I was cutting some stuff for the for the WGA, actually. Oh, okay. So I've been I've been splitting my time for the line and also cutting for them. In fact, you did a, a piece called uh, Writing Soup or Writer's Writer's Soup, Soup Kitchen for uh, Campanile. They, every Wednesday oh. they have a... A writer's soup kitchen at Campanile, so you get a like a four course meal for say what's that? Bucks. What is that? Bucks. What is it? Yeah. At Campanile, Mark Field, who's the the chef, head chef there, mm-hmm. he offers a writer's soup kitchen every Wednesday, and it's you get a an appetizer and a salad and main course and a dessert for eighteen bucks fixed price. Oh, that sounds good. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, restaurants that are offering deals for writers guild members. Which is cool. Any others that you want to plug besides that? Or uh... well, we're about to go to Barney's Beanery and get oh, yeah? free beer and burger f- for f- for free uh, after this. And then that sounds good. Last week when we were over at uh, at Warner Brothers, the uh, Bob's Big Boy over there on right. is it on Riverside? Yeah. They offer it's free. Show your WGA card and it's free meal. And really? Drew Carey picks up the bill. Oh, that's cool. And so is it very cool? Is it SAG and DGA too, or just I don't know. School? Okay, I'm not sure. Okay. Now, since you've been editing, I mean, uh, it sounds like this hasn't hit you in the same way that it has hit others who were just writers. That's 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 true. I mean, really, it's I haven't really been writing professionally for the last couple of years. So oh, yeah, I haven't been doing editing. Um, so. This is not affecting me financially like it's affecting a lot of other people. Okay. But, uh, you know, I'm out here to show my solidarity because I am in the guild. And the mm-hmm. contracts, all the jobs I've ever had have been because people before me had picketed and, and striked. So I'm here to support and 
and, and fight for the future because one day I'm going to be writing again and That's right. I want a good contract. Any uh, history in your family of uh, any people being involved with other strikes that sort of... Teacher strike. My, Te- mo- my mom was a teacher. Oh, yeah? Where'd you grow up? In, in L.A. Oh, okay. And your mom was in the teacher strike? So have you... For, for Beverly Hills. So have you commiserated with her about this? Uh, not too much, actually. No. Okay. One last question. Which mm-hmm. is the more important invention, the internet or the printing press? The internet or the printing press? Yes. I gotta say the printing press first because of it, it's without the printing press there would be no internet. Legacy, <laughs> legacy notwithstanding, I think we need to set it up like that. Legacy notwithstanding. Legacy notwithstanding. Power to the people, kind of thing. Which is a more powerful invention? The internet, because of its reach. Okay. Because you can anywhere, any anyone anywhere in the world can get it, and you can reach people everywhere. That's true. So I'd say the internet. Okay. How did you feel about uh, the deal struck with the DGA? Did you feel... I feel that it was a little bit weak. Mm-hmm. So it, since the strike is not hitting my pocketbook right now, financially, I, I would be more inclined not to accept it. Okay. Okay. But, that... I, but I understand where other people might be coming from. And is that... Uh people that you've talked to is that pretty much the consensus or uh... I haven't really talked that deeply with people about it this is just my personal (laughs) experience okay all right well thanks very much for talking all right thanks man thank you you have been listening to the Rider Strike Chronicle podcast available for free through iTunes for more information visit us at www.strikechronicles.com To contact us, please call 310-439-8754 or send us an email at info at strikechronicles.com. 